from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Uh, I'm so glad I chose this, even though I spent the whole week thinking of other musicals I could have chosen instead. <laughs> oh, that's what I did for 90s. I picked one and went, what a fucking disaster. What a terrible choice. So yeah, it happens, <laughs> but that's good. You get to explore other things. Yes, I, I didn't regret it. I just thought, oh, that would have been a fun choice. And if we decide to go more than three weeks on this, I have something that I thought would be a rather unorthodox choice should I get to make one more. And I feel since, like we could extend it, maybe. I'm, I'm happy with going for a lot longer than three weeks on this. I don't really care. <laughs> I think for movie soundtracks, too, like, I can't just pick one. Like, that's a no for me. I have a couple that I need to experience yeah. again. We do also need to, since it's recorded and now released, we need to do the Spice World movie. Yeah. I would say rewatch, but watch uh, reaction <laughs> because I've never seen it. So I'll have to figure that out. Rob, you're more than welcome to join us if you want to watch Spice World. I would love to. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, welcome back. Hopefully back to another episode of Life to Labyrinth podcast. Uh, my name is Bryn. I'm Angie. And Rob is back, as we teased last week, or last episode. Stephen has gone on sabbatical again. We haven't really looked, spoken to him about how long he expects to be away. It sounds like he might come back, and it sounds like he might not. It really depends on how you read into his messages. But we got Rob back. Really wanted Rob to come back. We need an excuse for Rob to come back. I'm sitting in for him. He doesn't want the job, I'll take it. I'll take it. You, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Not that it's a job because I ain't getting paid, but I'm fucking taking it. <laughs> <laughs> of the three of us, you're the only one not paying to do this. So <laughs> you, are, you are net positive so far. Uh, nailing it. <laughs> Angie and I are definitely net negative. <laughs> but <laughs> so, Rob, thank you so much for coming back after you joined us a couple of months ago for I remember Deer Hoof. What was the other one that we did that you joined us for? What was the other episode? It was for Moist. David Usher. David. Right, right. Warm. And Warm. <laughs> and uh, you were having mic issues that day, which we subsequently resolved right at the very end of the episode. And By that's turning why it on. you almost never had me back again. <laughs> nah. So, Canceled. It's you. like, as soon as the recording shuts off, it's like, get in the fuck out. We're never having you back again. That was terrible. That was god awful. As soon as the recording stopped, though, you were like, oh, what does this do? And your mic went on and we were like, it was the most perfect wow, timing sounds, ever. That sounds professional. Like you actually know what you're doing now. Wow. <laughs> oh boy. I believe what happened is it switched over to your professional microphone and you had been recording on like your Apple earbuds. Totally. It fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's, we don't need to dwell on it, but thank you. I couldn't recall what the other episode was, but after much much discussion and teasing in episodes and talking about it for months and months now we have finally mostly because of angie thrown down the gauntlet we are doing musicals yes so this week i chose i got to pick the first one and i gave us mary poppins from 1964 which i i love this musical i love this movie i love this the the disney story i've never read any of the books and i don't know 
it's just it's a happy place for me to go it just feels very quintessentially disney and it's quite often thought of as the crown jewel of walt disney's movie production during his lifetime i was gonna say i was super excited that you picked it and i was surprised because i thought you were picking something else anyways (laughs) i was so yeah I was so excited to watch it again, and after, and I did. I just watched. I just finished watching it, and there are some really shitty. <laughs> like all the animated part, I could do without. And apparently, <laughs> the movie was supposed to be completely animated, and the author was of the books was like hard no, and apparently, even leaving in those small animated scenes, the author was like ple- like no, don't, and they did it anyways. But as I was watching it, I'm like, why do I have such fond memories of this? I love all the scenes in the house. I like this little part. And then there's a whole art in the middle I could, uh, you know, I could do without. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I watched it last night. And we'll get into that. But Rob, let's give you the floor. Welcome. Welcome back officially. Welcome to our musical section of our podcast. Mary Thank Poppins. You. What 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 were your thoughts when Angie told you that we were doing Mary Poppins this week? It is one of my childhood favorites as well. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. It was like iconically one of my favorite movies, period. Not just musical movies, but like friggin' movies, period, growing up as a kid. I loved it. And what I love about this musical movie is that in a classic musical form, every single song drives forward the character development and the plot in a way that like literally every scene is a song and literally every every song tells a little story and pushes everything forward to progress whereas some musicals like i don't know like um that are turned into movies now like wicked there's like Mm. a there's a little sprinkling of songs in there and you're like holy crap that was shit that was that was (laughs) fucking shit Excuse my French. Um, But like classic (laughs) musicals aren't in this classic way anymore as much I find. And there's a lot more story and dialogue base. And then the songs are kind of incidental or just kind of feel stuck in the middle. Whereas this was very much classic, like to me is it, it, it has so much heart to it. And it's so enjoyable because like every minute you're moving on to the next song. Like every everything, yeah. everything that's happening is a song. Like from the chimney sweep song to just I love to laugh and all these other grinky dink little activities they're doing. Like they mean nothing, but it's yeah, at the same time it just it's just an enjoyable time. Like Dick Van Dyke, the chimney sweep song, and and uh, I love to laugh and super califragilistic expialidocious, like so enjoyable. And I totally agree. The animation could have been could have been done without completely. I think they were just trying to prove that they could combine animation and live action because it's something that had not really been done before much, or I don't know why they did it, but because because they could. But nowadays that we know that that's not a really wise choice, we would not do that. Although we have been do although we are doing it with Space Jam, the remake, so maybe they will do it with the Mary Poppins remake. I don't know. Has Mary Poppins been remade yet? It has. There, there's has a second really? one. They released a second one called Mary Poppins Returns in what, I 2018? I haven't I seen it. Oh my God. It stars Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. Mm, Jesus. I had almost the same reaction to when Carrie Underwood was cast as uh, 
Maria in the remake of Sound of Music, I went I, almost a murderous rampage when I heard that. Um, Emily <laughs> Blunt, I, not so known, much. I would have made sure that you had someone to be with in that moment. <laughs> yeah, it was upsetting. But I, I and it, nothing against Emily Blunt. I think she's wonderful. I just don't know why you touch anything that Julie Andrews has done. Nobody is Julie. Nobody can do it. Don't mm -hmm. like don't bother. Just sh yeah. let it go. It's perfection. Don't don't fuck with it. And from the time that it was made as well, uh uh you had still an actress like uh, like a a classically trained theater actress like um, Julie Andrews, who had been on Broadway and she'd done musicals before mm -hmm. and she has a very beautiful, proper, elegant British accent. And th that class of people at her caliber, I don't know if there will, like you say, I don't know if there will be anyone else like her who could ever emulate that, that style, like who could have performed so many stage performances that she did. Like she did everything from, I don't know, Victor Victoria to I think Camelot and like, Oh, so many musicals. Um, she is just so prolific. She, um, she's hands yeah. down like the musical queen, really. And as a person, not knowing her personally, obviously, but she has that special quality of seeming very regal yet relatable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that her best friend is Carol Burnett, I think speaks very... Oh, much amazing. to who she is as a person because <laughs> you don't think when you see those two sing together and be silly together which i've had the pleasure of finding on youtube quite a bit um it seems like the odd couple but you mm -hmm. can see that they just have so much fun together but you know julie andrews is you know in terms of singing ability on just like another level completely but she doesn't care she's just happy to be there and but because of who she is and the way she carries herself in that very sort of proper British way that that she has, she seems very regal. And so I think that's maybe why she connects with people on that level. Totally. Rob, you'll love this. Angela Lansbury was considered for the role. I know that. But instead, instead, Angela Lansbury did Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I don't I can't I can't recall if it was a musical, but it was a live action and animation combined as well. And it was also a childhood favorite. I loved that. I have not seen that, but I can't imagine. I don't know. You love Angela Lansbury, but I'm. I love her. Team Julie. Ben Nobs and Broomsticks is considered to be the spiritual successor to Mary Poppins and also stars David Tomlinson, who plays George Banks. Oh. oh. So that's why. There are actually, I learned as in my research for this episode. There are songs in Bednons and Broodsticks that were rewritten slightly because they were actually in, originally intended for Mary Poppins, but they didn't make it into Mary Poppins, so they were rewritten and put into Bednons and Broodsticks. Oh, recycled. Interesting. And it's interesting because, um, like, kind of going back to the whole character of Julie Andrews and, like, the era that she comes from, like, in the 1960s, there were still a lot of people who had nannies and it was common. And so it wasn't a far stretch for her to be able to imagine or play like that kind of proper English role that she probably maybe maybe even was used to as a child, you know, when, like when she was growing up. I don't, I don't know. I don't know her upbringing, but like it takes place in I'm just double checking uh, the plot. 1910 London. And so it wouldn't have been like a far stretch. And I think that it's, you know, 1910, they had nannies in the 60s. They had nannies and mm -hmm. it's not too far from her. It's not like we're talking, you know, hundreds of years ago. They had this this nanny story. It's like pretty recent. 
times. Yeah, not it's too interesting far back from 1960. They, yeah, they wound back the the time frame of the movie to 1910, but apparently the books are written in the 1930s or set oh. in the 1930s. And apparently Mary Poppins returns that again I won't for revenge too, too much of yeah. <laughs> Mary Poppins 2 Electric Boogaloo apparently is set in the 1930s, which apparently catches it up to the time frame of the books. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure why they did that. Maybe it was just to make it more quaint, or they did they wanted to do like pre-World War One London. Maybe there was something sort of aristocratic and regal about that. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't dive that much into it. Unfortunately, I, as I realized during my per- getting ready for this episode, is I picked something that overwhelmed us with material. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much you could learn about. You can learn about Dick Van Dyke. You can learn about uh, Julie Andrews. You can learn about Dave Tomlinson. You can learn about any number of the original cast of this movie. Um, you can learn about P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins. You can learn about the shit show that Disney had to go through to make the movie, which is what Saving Mr. Banks is about. You can research about Walt Disney. You can research about how much he loved Mary Poppins. Like, there's just... I, I might have overloaded us on on opportunities to research, so <laughs> my if, apologies. If it helps, I did very little research. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bryn, you, you created... You've called upon a problem that did not exist for anyone else. <laughs> I'm like, I have one web page up and I looked at it once. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's fair. That, no, there is a obvious. lot. You're right. There is a lot. Even when I was reading just, you know, the fun facts, which I usually like to do, it, it, do there's it. a, there is a ton. There is a ton you can read about. 100%. Yep. So I guess we can just run it down since I'm sure Mary Poppins is fairly well known, especially to people who listen to our podcast. I can't imagine it's going to be a surprise. But it came out in 1964. It stars Julie Andrews, as mentioned, Dick Van Dyke, Dave Tomlinson, Glynis Johns, who, fun fact, is still alive. She played Mrs. Banks. She's 97, and I looked her up because I adore her. I adore her Jennifer, original Jennifer Tilly voice, like that Mm. breathy, sexy, um, sex phone operator voice. Um, (laughs) She's South African in 97. Yeah, I I adore her. I adore her. She apparently was approached to play Winifred Banks and thought that they wanted her for Mary Poppins and only agreed to do the movie if she could do a musical number, which is why she sings Sister Suffragette. Oh, she's so good. Yes. Um, I have a daughter, Winifred, because of this woman, because of of her Sister Suffragette-ness and her uh, strong woman and I loved her name and my daughter is spelled with one N like she is in the movie oh, so I love that there's a funny story um, so that's the reason I suggested the name Winifred for our youngest daughter to Renee Renee thought I was suggesting it because of Bette Midler's character in Hocus Pocus and oh. that's why she agreed to it <laughs> also great also great <laughs> so people, when people are like how did you choose your daughter's name in this case it's like, well, it's kind of a long and funny story. We accidentally named her after two different people. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect. <laughs> so yeah, people are like, "Why did? Why, how? How did you name her Winifred? Because it's an unusual name, especially these days, right?" And um, and it's like, kind of by accident. 
<laughs> but anyway, I love that's the name. I think it's a sweet name, and I hate everyone's baby names. As soon as people say it, I'm like, oh my god! But I love, I love Winifred. Winifred is the one that I think I'm the most proud of because I can't believe that Renee agreed to it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it, it's it it's probably my favorite name that we've given any of our children. I like all my kids' names. Oh my god! I hope they can't hear this. Oh, I, I, it's not that I don't like their names. I just really, really like that we found Winifred. Sweet. And But her name's, yeah, Winifred Beatrice. And so people are like, is she from the 1800s? What, Winnie what B. That's Winnie so B. That's, cute. That's what we call her, Winnie B. So anyway, uh, sorry, that was a, a diversion. But that's a fun fact about my life and um, my personal uh, connection to the character of Winifred Banks. And then we have some of the side characters or the supporting acts. Hermione... Badly, who plays one of the housekeepers. Who are great. Oh yeah, Karen Dotrice. Matthew Garber, who was a little boy that played Michael Banks, who passed away. No. Yeah, yeah, he passed away uh, at a young age. Let me just pull oh, it up. he's he... got the sweetest face. It, he's yeah, so wonderful. Totally. You know when you see child actors, like I immediately think of Sons of Anarchy. They had the yeah. worst child actors I have ever seen. They're like, oh, where, where's dad going? And you're like, oh my God, just put this kid down and start again. Yeah, seen this, and not heard. They should be seen and not heard. But this child is brilliant, just super brilliant for how young he is. Like where the, oh, the emotion. Oh, that's so sad that he died. Yeah, he passed away at the age of 21 in 1977. Um, because he got hepatitis and it affected his pancreas. Oh my god, that's terrible. Sadness. Well, I'll never watch it again and enjoy it. It it does take a little bit of the magic out of it for you. Yes, they didn't have hip vaccinations back then or something. Wah, I'm not wah. I'm not sure in the 70s. I don't, I don't know. It's I don't know. A lot of that has to do with how early you catch things, right? And sometimes if you're not a complainer and you don't go to the doctor, something that's perfectly treatable is not caught. Yeah. Anyway, Karen Dotrice is the woman that plays Jane Banks, and she has a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns. Apparently, again, haven't seen it. Then we have Elsa Lancaster, um, Arthur, is it Treacher? Reginald Owen, and Edwin, Edwin the Goofy Man who plays Uncle <laughs> Albert. So that's the cast. That's that. That's boiled down. I don't have every every. I don't have all the names, but a lot of these people are now considered to be Disney legends. Yeah, I bet. Official cause of death is a pancreatitis. Anyways, okay. st- we're going to stop talking about all the, the one dead person. No, I'm sure there's lots of dead people on this list. Let's not start with that. Let's not do the obits. There, there's a <laughs> number of people who are no longer with us, although quite miraculously, the two stars are still with us. And Glynis John is, is still with yes. us. So, our world is better for Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews still being with us. A hundred percent. It's going to be a hard day when that when that changes. Ju- Ju- Julie Andrews for a long time was what people when people were like, oh, "Who's your celebrity that you want to sleep with?" I'd always say Julie Andrews. At this age, or at a particular age, like Julie you know, Andrews, I, circa. Oh, even into high school, like Julie Andrews probably like into her like early senior years. She aged very well. She's a gilf. Hey. If you had an opportunity to sleep with Julie Andrews, I mean, that's a bar story. No one would believe you. No one would believe you, but Julie would know. 
I think she's too regal <laughs> to let us riffraff in. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not calling you riffraff. I mean, I am a little. I am comparing to Julie Andrews. I'm calling you a bit of riffraff, but I didn't. I I'm don't. 100 percent riffraff. I'm 100 percent riffraff. <laughs> I okay. I am not a, a scientist or a mathematician, but here's some basic math. Okay. There is. We asked a scientician. I am not a scientician. Okay. I, I was think just you looking, are. I was looking at the list of all the songs in Mary Poppins. The movie is two hours, almost exactly. There's 17 songs. So 120, 120 minutes or two hours divided by 17 is seven. So that's like if every song was seven minutes, which it isn't, you, that then then, you know, 17 songs would fit seven times into two hours. But because every song is, what, maybe three minutes? That means, if you think about it that way, it's like half the movie is just song. At least half the movie. So 50% of the movie is just song and dance and joy and, like, and like just yeah. the thing I love about it is it is it looks at all the little things that are little pieces of crap that don't matter, but you can just find the joy in like taking a teaspoon of sugar or like, you know, looking into a snow globe and the magic. Like it just, that's what I love about Mary Poppins is it has that childlike fascination with the little things like, you know, making a song about chimney sweeps and they're hacking, they're there hacking up a lung and dying, but hey, chimney, chim, chimney, chimney, <laughs> I I totally agree that for me, like the overwhelming thing that has always stuck with me is making any situation fun. Yes. And I and I think I don't think I don't know if I'm well known for that, but I'm telling you, Rob, you well, you've both known me forever, but Rob and I have hung out a lot and we can get in the stupidest, shittiest situation and we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna make it a good mm -hmm. time. Like and I do and I really feel like you know, I first understood that concept through that movie and it's like, well, shit, if it's going to suck, let's let's laugh at it and let's make it a good time. And I do think that is something I really took away from this movie as a kid. And adding on to that, I actually think and I find myself doing this all the time. And I, I know you do it too, Angie, because we've been friends for years. But this movie actually, in hindsight, I think taught me that when you're in a crappy situation or if you're in a bad mood, just singing a song, like a little, making up a little song in your head about what's going on can actually elevate your mood and turn everything around. Like you're, mm -hmm. you know, in a traffic jam and someone gives you the finger, you're like, eh, eh, traffic jam, traffic jam, someone flip me birds. <laughs> eh, eh. And then you do it in the song, you do it in the, in the <laughs> tune of Mary Poppins, or you just make up your own. It's like, you know, can't find the Triscuits, but I got the no-name brand instead, cause I'm poor. Or you can, you can make any song, you can make any, I mean, any happening in your life, no matter how terrible, you know, yeah. Grandpa died cause I shot him in the face. You know, whatever it is, you can make it fun. My partner you know? can attest to this. I am the queen of jingles. Baby, every third day something happens and I will nail out the most perfectly rhyming jingle about it. And every time I'm like, God, I missed my calling. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Not I too know. late. Yeah. Not too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Childbirth hurts, but hemorrhoids are worse, but temporary. <laughs> I mean, that. That's one I sing <laughs> that every was day. Go, that was going somewhere. That's... That was going somewhere. I'm going to write down some of my jingles for next time. I don't Do know. it. I'm here for it. I thought that Michael Stipe taught us that the Traffic Jam song was Everybody Hurts. 
Mm. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. Because I'm that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh boy, that's funny. Not so, to be sorry, go on. No, no, you probably have something valuable to say. I was just gonna say not to be confused with the porno everybody squirts. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen oh, that. Oh boy. <laughs> Michael Stipe had nothing to do with that. Probably. I mean he's got a pretty long beard now, so that's just a whole cleanup situation. <laughs> oh barf. <laughs> <laughs> so on to the child movie. Yeah, on to this movie about magic and whimsy. So I, I think we, because we're the music podcast and not a movie podcast, we need to talk about the soundtrack, which was written by Richard M. Sherman and Robert D. Sherman, who are titans of the movie industry, especially musicals. Do you guys read down any of their filmography with any of the... Any of their noble work, notable works? Um, no. Did they do the King and I? Or am I, I thinking? No, no. Never mind. I'm thinking of Rodgers and Hammerstein and stuff. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Never mind. So they were largely in-house composers for Disney. Oh. So they did the original Parent Trap, Sword in the Stone, Big Red, Mary Poppins, My Monkey, The Monkey's Uncle, That Darn Cat, Winnie the Pooh and the Hunk. Honey Tree, Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin, oh, neat. Happy Millionaire, The Jungle Book, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Aristocats, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Charlotte's Web, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, a lot of Winnie the Pooh movies. But they have a whole pile of stage musicals that they did. They have motion picture screenplays that they've written. Like these guys are big deals. And I mean, just just writing the Mary Poppins music alone would probably make them musical legends. Like every, almost every song in that soundtrack is a incredibly banger. memorable. <laughs> memorable, yes. That's what I was gonna say. Is like because I watched this in my childhood. I don't know if it's just that, and I love the movie so much. But every single song I remember so well. Like it paints a picture, and it's something that is catchy. Like you hum to yourself. It, yeah. it, every song has is a little earworm, and I can't say that about all musicals. I can't say that about a lot of musicals, mm -hmm. actually. Like where every single song is a little earworm or worm has a hook and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, And they're the kind of songs that even if you don't know the words, you probably could hum the tune and people would know what you're singing. Like totally. The Life I Lead, the song that George Banks sings, like, I feel a surge running like, you know. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've sang Feed the Birds just every time I see birds. I'm like, oh, there's birds. Feed the birds. <laughs> I used it to just sing that song to my kids all the every time. night. <laughs> you know, I know we, we, it usually comes up near the end of the podcast, but like this, this score and this soundtrack is so memorable and lovely that my kids know almost all the words to every song on it. Aw, raising them right. Thanks. In this one case. Yeah, it, nailing it. Okay, well, we don't, yeah. It's, it's, it's just accepted. Right, I also right. read that it took two years to write all the songs for this, so that's an investment. Oh. That's a huge investment. Was it two years on top of the two years that it took to make the movie? I think, I don't know. Oh. I think so. I, it would have had... It took two years to make the movie. And it took 20 years to get the rights to the move the books. <laughs> I have some fun facts about that. Good, okay, got a couple, it. A couple, a couple, a couple. I like how much of an uh, old narc that they make uh, Mr. Banks out to be. Just a boring but old the, But the thing is that 
I was just going to say, Angie, that, you know, like my my thought or comment um, in looking back is that not any one of the characters you can say is mean, you know, in like in mm-hmm. a lot of movies, in a lot of movies, um, there's um, a lot of uh, musicals and kids movies. There's a villain or there's, you know, someone is cruel or like, you know, you think of Cinderella or you think of like Rapunzel or any of those old tales, like classic Disney tales. Uh, yeah, it's, or, you know, uh, Snow White, there's like this villain. Well, in, in this mo- in this musical, I think the villain is really just that it's absent just dad. That- it's well no i just think i just think it's that the the parents and the proper society and adults have forgotten what it means to have joy and to see things through a childlike lens that's the villain is that people forgot people have gotten complacent and and just kind of bland and sad and they think that all there is is you know money and taxes and and you know like uh the typical adult stuff that you have to deal with you know having a household and and a job and uh adult stuff but then you know, it's not that any, it's not that the the governess or whatever, or the the, uh, the girlfriend of the dad, what's her name? The blonde lady. And his wife, Winifred. His wife, Thanks. Winifred, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all the kids guess, in the yes. early 20s. Yes, 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 I, yes. You know what? I keep thinking of her as the as a governess or something, because that's the character she plays in Sound of Music, I think. Like, she's uh, oh, anyway, uh, same a actress. Different... Yeah. No, but, um, it's not, is it? Yeah. I, yeah. Glennis Johnson? I don't know. I can look up her. Yeah, I've got it open. I've got it open. She's in the Sound of Music as the governess, I believe. Um, I recognize her. Is she? I don't think it's her. Anyways, I'm looking. She has no Sound of Music. The word sound does not exist on her Wikipedia page. You know why I don't think it's her? Because of her voice. Because the the Baroness is very much like this. Right. I think think uh, you're right. I I think the, the ultimately the villain in the story is the pressure being put on the dad. And I mean, Mary Poppins does come to save George Banks, ultimately. And I got to be honest, the older I get, and now that I've been a parent for like almost 17 years, when it gets to a man has dreams, you know, struck down in the rack and ruin of his prime, like work, he's doing everything he possibly can with the tools that he has in society to make his life and the life for the people who rely on him the best that he can. Like, that's the moment in the movie that makes me emotional now. It's not when Mary Poppins leaves. It's not when she sings See You the Birds. It's when George Banks is pouring his heart out to Bert, being like, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And yeah, like, and my life is falling apart. And he is blaming it on Mary Poppins, but through Bert, who is ultimately, I think, the, the true hero of the movie, mm-hmm. he sees that his life can be more than, you know, Mary Poppins isn't here to take his life away. You know, he, he uses sarcasm to reach him. He's like, oh, that Mary, crazy Mary Poppins lady, she's the one that sings, you know, a spoonful of sugar and all that. And he's like, yes, Dick, you see. And, you know, and then he's like, you know, I don't have the whole scene memorized, but emotionally, that's the moment now that speaks to me as someone that, you know, is trying. I'm in that position in my life now. I have people that rely on me doing the best I can. I've lost my job. I've lost things. It's also the point in the movie where the character shifts. Like, you know, you haven't really liked this guy. He seems absent. He seems shitty. He seems like not a great dad. He seems like a beacon of capitalism everywhere. And then there's that shift. So I think it's meant to make you go like, oh man. You know, I always find that's the most like reactive part of a movie where you've like 
decided what this character is and you've decided they're kind of a bag of dicks and then something happens and you're like, oh my God, now I feel sorry for this guy. So yeah. I can see that. That makes sense to me. You're like, you know, you've you've shifted. Yeah, and Dave Tomlinson's acting and in that moment, in that scene is just so good. Where you, you start from a man who at the beginning of the movie is singing like, at 6.01, I march through my door. At 6.02, my slippers, pipe, and sherry are due. You know, and he's like, I treat my children, servants, wife. Mm-hmm. And like, he's got all these, like all these people that in his mind are subservient to him. You know, he's like, with a gentle but firm hand. Like he, like he basically, he's like the CEO of his life. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. top marks to the Sherman brothers for being able to work in the word exemplary into a song. <laughs> And writing two or three songs about banks, like actual <laughs> financial institutions. Okay. Can't see yeah. that going over well now, but yeah, I mean, okay, nailed it. Yeah. And the character arc of him through that movie is is incredible. But I think, yeah, the as much as the movie's called Mary Poppins, Bert is the hero. And Bert's the one that makes the children see that he's the one that's struggling when they run away and find Bert in the street, right? And he's, and you know, they're like, oh, you know, father doesn't like us, and you know, he's this and he's that, and, and, and it's Bert that says, you know, cages come in all sizes, you know, some of them are bank shaped. Mm-hmm. You know, who looks after your dad? You have me and Mary Poppins and your mom, and the constable and you know whomever. He's like, all those people look after you. Who looks after your dad? Oh, so true. Yeah, that's super sweet. I and that that's what I love. See, I didn't really think about that. I didn't think about that line and that meaning, but looking back, um I also love how some of the songs like um I love to laugh and the way it ends and uh feed the birds. I think a good movie for kids as well. It's great to not always have a one note and you can, it's okay to have little sad moments or moments where reality sets in. It's okay, you know, like that there's this lonely poor woman feeding the birds and that's just part of life, but like it's it's touching because there's a realness, uh, there's a real heart to it. There's a real substance to something that isn't just all fun and games and magic and everything is just fine because you can still you, you can have contrast and i think um when you have uh, a little bit a little bit of sadness uh, just a touch of reality in there or a, a mix a dose of uh realism in with the magic it adds a contrast uh yeah. which is more powerful than just having a one note film where it's mm-hmm. all happy go lucky i'm escaping reality yeah Yeah, I read an interesting article, I think I even sent it to Angie, about how when you watch the movie now, kind of in our current culture, and you see who Mary Poppins is, she's actually quite a toxic person. (laughs) She's constantly gaslighting everyone around her, because the kids are like, but I saw you do magic. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like she she talks about doing these incredible magic magical things as if they're commonplace and pointless to the point where it's like, don't don't even talk about it. That didn't happen. That's nonsense. She's like, well, you won the horse race. Me and a horse race, preposterous. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and she she gets the job basically by manipulating George Banks into thinking that he's lost his mind. Mm-hmm. And she's basically just like, okay, well, I'll be upstairs then. You know, yeah. he, and then he's unhappy with her performance and she goes down and tricks him into taking the children on an outing to set him up for failure. It's so interesting looking mm. back at it and it's like Mary Poppins is actually this very toxic presence in their life. If, if anything, she's the villain. She, I, 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 oh, I think as a kid, I wasn't 
I didn't super love her character because she does come off as quite sharp and that would freak me out because like I needed to be babied all the time, but I see it even more now. You know, there's one scene where she's being very sharp and you know, this is this. And then the next scene she's like laughing and whatever. And then it goes back to kind of being sharp. And I think that would be very unsettling for me as a kid. It was a bit unsettling for me to watch it now because it's like, I don't know how I feel about this lady. I mean, I know she's got some great aspects, but I know that that kind of sharpness and that it's this way, it's uh, it's a little bit aggressive. <laughs> well, I yeah. think it I think it really relates to how parents maybe of that time as well wanted orderliness for their kids, wanted them, you know, there has to be routine and a regiment, you know, you do your dishes, you make your bed, you say your prayers at night and all of these things are a routine structure that the kids need. So, the, you know, Mary Poppins behavior really in a sense is no different from the way parents wanted to be able to raise their kids in the 1960s or maybe uh, the filmmakers were thinking about a way that, you know, like they would want to speak to parents and children for that time. Um, it's no different from how, you know, a parent would want to have conducted behavior back then to get orderliness in their household. But the she's the have. one supposed to bring the party. Like, they're like, it's always a wild time with her. And I'm like, I don't know. She can co- she can be a bit harsh. Like, it can think- be a wild time, but can also be like, oh, my God, do what she fucking says. Yeah. Like- and I think the I think the message is for kids, it's like, do what your friggin' parents say. They know it's best. Follow the rules and you'll have fun. You'll have a grand old time and life can be full of magic, but do what your parents say and keep the structure and you can find the magic within any moment there. Uh, Make your fucking bed and you'll have a laugh. You'll get the ice cream if you do it. (laughs) Yeah. She also sets an unrealistic like expectation on them in terms of who they are as a person. Because she's like, oh, I'm Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. <laughs> she comes in and says, like, I'm a perfect person, or practically perfect. She's got that one little, like, you know, mm-hmm. asterisk there. I'm practically perfect. You should emulate me in a way that no regular person, especially a child, who has a difficult relationship with their parents and has just had, what do they say, four nannies in like six months or something like that at the beginning of like trauma have yeah these kids have no consistency in their life outside of like the cook (laughs) and now and then she's like well it'd be perfect oh and 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 she's constantly looking herself in the mirror and like primping herself out and like oh everything's great and stuff i don't know it's very interesting to watch this film um as an adult yeah having gone to a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'm perfect, but you're stubborn and you cry a lot and you're not exactly how I like you. Like, you don't look exactly yeah. how I wanted you to look. You're like, ouch, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and the father's like, I'm unhappy with, you know, your performance and I want you to explain yourself. And she's like, I don't explain myself. No, I'll be upstairs. Thank you. Like, she has no respect. She's like, you have to respect me and you have to respect your parents. You have to do these things. But she has no respect for any of those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is an interesting character. The only person she shows any respect to the whole movie is Bert. And let's, like, sexual tension, okay? Like, are Mary and Bert like an old item like why is he so excited to see her why are they always smiling at each other why do they like dancing together i think it's because he's sweeping her chimney if you know what i'm saying well that's what i'm thinking now that i see this older i'm like yeah they're boning for sure (laughs) yeah there's a couple of fun fan theories yes um pl travers who wrote the the books and stuff was like and 
absolutely not. There is to be no romance. Like, they're not romantic at all. So Ugh. in the books, apparently, it's not. If you just watch the movie, those two are definitely fucking. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Even if you just take subtle body language cues, like when he takes her hand in the cartoon part. The penguin in 19, scene. <laughs> in 1910, a man taking the hand of a lady that he wasn't married to was pretty fucking scandalous. Especially a chimney sweep. Yeah. Right. So, so there's a few things. There's quite a lot you can read into body language wise and stuff where it's just like, yeah, these, these two are definitely DTF. The other thing that is, a, I think, a more fun theory is that Bert was one of the kids that she came to nanny. And she doesn't age and he's grown up, which is why he doesn't, he's not surprised by anything. He, he senses that she's coming because she's come before for him. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying. A wink. Right? Am I right? <laughs> wink. Yes, 100%. But, you know, she, uh, none of her, he knows about her magic. And so, and he knows who she is. And when she leaves, he's like, goodbye, don't stay away too long. So, like, she, he's gone through this whole cycle with her before. Okay, that's very fascinating. Yeah. I, I like that fan theory. I think, yes, absolutely. The one where it's just like, these two are definitely banging is great. But I think from a, a fan fiction theory wise, Bert being a child that she came to help. Uh, is sense. a much more interesting story. Yeah. And it also plays into the fact that she's not actually that great a nanny because Bert is ultimately, he's a happy man, but in terms of his success in society, he's an abject failure. I uh, think he's a hobo. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a hobo yeah, with a band who, he's one man <laughs> band and a chimney sweep and he sells kites all of a sudden. He's kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> That was going to be one of my questions at the end, is what are Bert's jobs in the movie? I know. I, I know. I just at the very end, my partner walks in, he's like, oh, I thought it was a chimney sweep. I'm like, is he something kites? I'm like, I know. He just does it all. Jack of all trades, master of none, I'm sure. I also laughed so hard when, yes, his accent, we have to talk about it. Right. It's the worst. It's apparently the worst accent like in the world. He publicly apologized for it, and he says he doesn't like talking to British people because they just razz him for it, which I think is so funny. But I'm telling you, I'm a very accent-oriented kid. I probably repeated every accent I ever heard growing up over and over again because I like to pick up accents. And it never occurred to me how shitty his accent was because I thought it was just part of his, like, derpity derpity character yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. oh this is my spanking in my british voice and i'm like makes perfect yeah. sense to me like you're yeah, kind I of a wonky dude like, yeah. i feel like he didn't do a terrible job i feel like i've heard way worse efforts attempts uh of actors trying to do accents yeah like um uh Demi Moore in I think there was the, that movie Flawless about a diamond heist. Oh my god, what a piece of shit accent that was. Jesus. My favorite is Man <laughs> in the Iron Mask where Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio plays like a French prince and just American, just American just, accents just the whole American. thing. He's like, oh, I'm a French <laughs> no. prince. Oh my gosh, no, you know what the worst accent is? Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, um. And he goes, I'm an American businessman. Come to me, Anastasia. <laughs> I'm an American businessman. And you're like, you 
are from Ireland, sir. <laughs> it's um, Jamie Jamie Dornan, I think. I mean, I love him. He's beautiful. But it didn't quite grab the accent there and played an American throughout the whole thing. Whole thing American. Not so much. <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel sorry for Dick Van Dyke because I agree. I think his voice is sort of like maybe the first cartoon character that we see in the movie. Because he's a bit of a cartoon character. 100%. Totally. Big caricature, um, you're right. Yes. Yep. But also, as I've seen an interview where he talks about it, and he's like, I went to like a voice and a vocal acting coach. Like, this is how I was taught to do it. <laughs> like, it's pretty rough. I mean, but like, yeah, the character's also a big caricature cartoon. That's literally what I said when I was watching it. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of a wonky dude. He's going to have a wonky accent. Let it go. Yeah. Hello, Mary Poppins. All right, chimney sweeping over here. It's all me pills. <laughs> oh, boy. I think the only celebrity encounter I've had over Twitter was because of Mary Poppins as well. I was watching it years and years ago with Renee, and I was like, do you remember when Dick Van Dyke went on the Rosie O'Donnell show and did Step in Time? And she's like, <gasps> no. So we YouTubed it, and then I just, because at the time I was using doing Twitter, I just was like, oh, chatting with Renee Commander Marshall about that time Dick Van Dyke was on the At Rosie show doing Step in Time. And Rosie O'Donnell fucking responded to me, and she was like, mm -hmm. one of my most famous moments, it was like famous moment or favorite moments. I cannot speak. <laughs> That's so like, amazing. Yeah, she responded to me, and it was Neat. funny because... We were looking at my phone, and then all of a sudden, I got like an alert, and Renee had this look of like, "Who's this bitch texting you?" And it was Rosie O'Donnell oh responding my to my tweet. And That's we were both amazing. Like, That's so cool. <laughs> it's my only celebrity encounter on Twitter. That's pretty. And I'm not badass. sorry. It's pretty I'm, badass. I'm totally, I'm happy with that. Yeah, she was like one of my favorite moments, or something like that. I did. I should have looked it up. It's still there. But anyway. That's badass. Um, I have so many fun memories with Mary Poppins. I, f I, I think I narrowed it down to Mary Poppins might be the first movie I ever saw as a child. Definitely the first one I remember. If I saw anything previous, I don't remember it. It's the first movie oh, I remember watching. Oh, interesting. I would know. I, yeah. don't, I can't even remember it's what happened It's very close yesterday. to my heart. Very close to my heart. I love it. I only have fun memories and I don't want to say anything bad about it and I don't want anyone to dissect it. And I don't want anyone to <laughs> say it. anything mean or negative about it because it's perfect. And that includes <laughs> accents, which are perfect. <laughs> All right, Mary it's Poppins okay, is isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, some of my favorite, I like, I'm going to go back to Sister Suffragette Lady. It's perfect. Her. Yeah, my one of my favorite lines, and I didn't write it down, so I'm not quoting it properly, is we love men individually, but as a group, they're rather stupid. It's so, so good. It's so we adore men individually. individually. We agree that, that as a group, group they're rather, rather stupid. stupid. I think that's hysterical, and I think it's correct. Also, um, when Mr. Banks is talking about a nanny, I just, for some reason, I have I flashed, like, what his ad for a nanny would look like versus 
what <laughs> nanny ads look like now. And he was like, the future empire lies in the hands of our new nanny. And can you imagine a nanny now like, um, must be like super soft touch. Let them just explore and grow. <laughs> it would be so high maintenance. in his- any weight household. <laughs> <laughs> like super hysterical. He's like, the future of the empire. And, you know, we'd be like, mm, soup, like just stupid shit. A British nanny must be a general. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. so intense. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure nanny ads now are really intense, but in the other way. For so many other reasons. <laughs> yes. There's so many little moments that are just funny character pieces because it's like Mrs. Banks, the suffragette, who's running off to like handcuff herself and throw eggs at people so and stuff. So awesome. Such a suffragette, but when she's like, when George is going to fire Mary Poppins, she's like, oh, I have to go. I have a meeting, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Winifred, I insist that you stay. She's like, oh, yes, of course. Totally. And when and when he was like, are you getting down? Are you getting this down? She's like, oh, absolutely. Every word. It's so funny that she's, you know, being this like crazy, powerful out loud. And then when her husband says go, she she goes. Like it's, yeah, that's, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you protest in those days. (laughs) With, with your husband's approval. Oh boy. But but I mean, it's, she's so great. I do adore her. Oh, what a great character. And I love the fact that the reason she's a suffragette is for American audiences because she has no job in the books, but Disney was basically like, we we have to give her something to do. There has to be a reason why this woman needs a nanny. Because American audiences won't buy it. Be like, why isn't this woman raising her children if she has nothing to do? Well, and that seems like a good reason. And I was a little surprised because I feel like doesn't Disney always try to really like pussyfoot politics and all... Or, or keep it a particular vein and to be like, feminism, like way back then. I was like, fascinating. Like, interesting. <laughs> Maybe it was far enough back. It's sort of like she's fighting for votes for women, and it's like, well, that happened. Yeah, we'll accept. No harm. That. No harm done. <laughs> Plus, she gets to wear a, a fancy sash, and yes, you know, and has ladies, so many of love them. a good sash. Good sash. She comes in with a muff full of sashes when she enters the movie. A muffle. So, I can I ask what? How do you guys think the songs fit as a listening experience outside of the movie? I think because there's so many songs in the movie that it just takes you through the movie and you just feel like you're there. And I was just picturing every scene and just kind of doing it to the point where I didn't, I wasn't going to watch it. I'm like, I've done it in my head uh, where we were done. And then right like tonight, I was like, no, no. When you sent me the sociopath, like Mary's a sociopath or a narcissist, I was like, shit, I better watch it. Okay. Brin's coming for real. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. I got to get ready. But I, there's, they're, I think they're brilliant to listen to independently because they, if you, I, like everyone knows the movie so well, as soon as you hear the song, you're picturing exactly what's happening, you know exactly who's singing, you know exactly what part of the movie it is, and then it takes you on to the next one and you know exactly what's happening. Like, it's yeah. just the total yeah. movie, movie experience, uh, audio-ish. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I've got a bias because I've seen the movie, right? So I'm married to the songs. But I think most people are. Like, yeah. that's what I mean. I think you but can I just think- see it. I think if I were a kid looking back and if I was imagining not knowing, I think some of the songs might 
stand on their own to be able to listen to in the car but the other ones like uh you know the one the, the father sings about uh you know uh, what's the it life called? I lead. The life I lead. Like other songs, it would be like no. But then songs like I love to laugh or super califragilistic, blah blah. Like that might be fun if I were a kid. Like and it was I was hearing it for the first time without the movie context. Mm-hmm. But there's a, I, so I think some of the songs stand on their own and have that longevity, whereas other ones don't. Yeah, which is fair, which is pretty standard for most albums, I suppose. I just, that's what I was trying to think of, because when I went back and watched the movie last night, I actually skipped the songs, because I felt like when I watched the movie, those are the moments where I emotionally and mentally check into the movie, and then I check out of the movie when it's not that. So I kind of fast-forwarded through a lot of them, especially the long ones. Like, I basically fast-forwarded through the entire cartoon section. I Kelly wish Holiday, I had. Super, yeah. Super Califragilisticexpialidocious. I kind of skipped all of it. And Step in Time, which goes on for like 14 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Okay, yeah, 14. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like 40. So like though I and and that gave it was interesting because for the first time, I think I actually felt like I was really watching the beginning. Mm. You know, I didn't have a phone in my hand. I wasn't a kid. Sort of like, let's put this movie on. And then you kind of check into it when Sister Suffragette starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt like it was almost the first time I'd ever really paid attention to the beginning of the movie. And it was really interesting watching you know, Bert's reaction to the wind changing and, you know, seeing like the little playful thing about him singing songs to the people who are around him. And there's that woman who's really short and her daughters are really tall, but it's very obvious the woman is just a child in old makeup. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I never noticed that before ever. I, I never, I felt, and so, and I felt like I really gathered a lot from watching it without it, you know, a spoonful of sugar. I skipped the whole thing. Don't need yeah. to spend 20 minutes watching her like whistle with a bird and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> so right. it's it's really interesting. It was it was interesting to sort of go through it and kind of just pay attention to the parts that I felt like I'd always missed. I also have a rule against no movie over two hours. It's just because I have general life ADD. So I realized that this out this is two hours and 20 minutes. And so if an hour so if a movie is over two hours. I am so critical about like where they could have edited and take out the fucking animation scene that did nothing for anything. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. move the plot along. Yes, it introduced you to supercalifragilism, but you literally could have cut that at like 20 minutes done and then could have moved along. But I'm like, it's hard for me to sit for more than two hours. I did. I mean, I stopped it 800 times to go putter around, but. (laughs) <laughs> like that that part uh, an edit could have happened there yeah i i know that that was a big bone of contention to do that part and i think rob mentioned it earlier like pl travers when she saw the movie she still asked disney like you need to take it out totally yeah and he was like pamela the ship has sailed like she <laughs> the, the, those cart that cartoon portion of it more than anything else is the reason that she never allowed another mary poppins movie to be made yeah, I well, she good for her. The cartoons. She was smart. You need to watch Saving Mr. Banks. It's on Disney Plus. Okay, I did. I saw it. It came up right after, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And then immediately and started this interact. It's lo- it's it's lovely. Oh, okay. I definitely cried at the end. P.L. Travers oh. played. P.L. Travers is uh, it, the whole thing is well acted. I mean, Tom Hanks is Walt Disney. Oh my God! I just watched Forrest Gump. <laughs> 
Tom Hanks. Oh, Saving Mr. Banks cast. Emmett Thompson as P.L. Travers. Oh, wow. Walt Disney, Colin Farrell, B.J. Novak, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti? Giamatti. Giamatti, thank you. I love Paul um, Giamatti. It, it's, it's a lovely movie, and although it's definitely the Disney-fied version of the <laughs> right. story. PG. Well, not it's it I think it maybe unfairly portrays PL Travers as this really a, difficult a person evil to bitch. work with. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's it's historically accurate that PL Travers was a incredibly difficult woman. Like she was like to the point of being unkind. Like mm-hmm. she adopted a, a child who had a brother, but she didn't want to adopt the brother. So then she just never told the child she adopted that he had siblings. Interesting. Like she, she, (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to go so far as to be like, she was not a good person, but if you read her Wikipedia page, she does not come across well. Uh, I'll just put that. I'll just put it that way. I'll definitely Um, watch it. What a fucking bitch. (laughs) She basically, according to the movie, and I, and I think it's probably fair to say it's likely the reason she finally agreed to allow Disney to make this movie after him chasing her for 20 years because she financially had to. Oh, interesting. Huh. So, anyway, I don't want to spoil it. It's a lovely movie. It's well acted. It's well written. It, it's a very interesting look at the making of this movie. Um, more the approval of the script and getting the rights to make it, not the filming portion. They kind of skip the whole making the movie part, and it's mostly just about getting her approval to make it what it ended up becoming. Okay. And then a little bit of the aftermath because of the cartoons and like she wasn't invited to the premiere and stuff like Oof. that because they were like, we don't need her coming to bad mouthing the picture. Right. So anyway, it's lovely. Watch it. I watched I half of it before we started. And uh, yeah, I definitely cried at the end. Aww. But I think it's because it's a Disney movie that's made schmaltzy at the end. Yeah. Yeah. The music comes in and you're like, yeah. Yeah. When, when you see her watching Let's Go Fly a Kite... And Mr. Banks is supposed to be like a caricature of her father. A caricature is the wrong word, but like Mr. Banks is supposed to be sort of like her father. And you see her have this like emotional release after watching this whole movie of her like flashing back to her childhood and stuff. Anyway, I won't I say think you, I think it. you just spoiled it, but that's okay. Yeah, I'll still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Warning, it is more than two hours. So you're gonna probably oh, okay. You're gonna want probably to go for a walk or something in the middle of it. Yeah. Play okay. it two. Play it two times speed. Yeah. Totally. Tom Hanks at two times speed. <laughs> mm. We've been going now for about an hour. Yeah. Final. Are we final wording it? Should we? You want to play a game or I don't care if it goes a little long. I think there's a lot to talk about and it's fun. Yeah. 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 Do you have a fact game? Let's see if I have a fact game. Okay, you don't. And you're so the the one. movie. No, I have some stuff. I'm just trying to okay, find the, 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 the window I have it in. Um, so the movie came out in 1964. Mm-hmm. Um, but Disney had originally been trying to get the movie. The first time he asked for it was in 1938, apparently. Wow. Can you think of another Disney movie that came out in 1938? Mm-hmm. Very Pinocchio? significant. Very famous. No. Not Pinocchio. Um, Snow White? Yeah. Snow White, yeah. Oh my god. Because so I was trying to think um, who... Basically, I, I was trying to find out who were like Disney stars in 1938. That had mm. he landed it then, 
who would have played Mary Poppins? I couldn't really figure it out. Right. <laughs> no one that we know, maybe. Who was famous in 1938. But I think it's interesting. It's like, imagine he'd gotten it and tried to make this movie in the 40s with, like, Golden Age of, of Silver Screen stars and stuff like that. Well, how old was Angela Lansbury then? Because she's, uh, how? Uh, in 1938? Yeah. She wouldn't have been born. Yeah. I mean... Julie Andrews is only 27 or something, 24 when she played Mary Poppins. Okay, so uh, Angel Lansbury would have been just, yeah, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, in 1938. <laughs> yeah, so she wouldn't have been in it. I might have still got Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 95 and Julie Andrews is like 85. Isn't that crazy? It's nice that we, I can't believe we still wow. have Dick Van Dyke. We're so lucky. Um, let's see, what else do I have? I had a question of what jobs does Bert have through the movie? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Did um, I name them? One man band, chalk artist, uh, chimney sweep, and kite seller. There was one other one he mentioned kind of in passing, but I forget what it was, where it was when the rain was coming and he was like, oh, I better get out my such and such to do. There's some other oh job he alluded God. to. He cleans the gutters. That makes sense. <laughs> there was uh, this. You may not get this. It's mostly a fun fact, not necessarily a trivia question. The little boy that played Michael Banks was afraid of heights. So the producers of the film made a deal with him that they would give him something every time he had to redo the popping out of the chimney scene. Oh, did you they give him hepatitis? Wasn't... Sorry. Not, not this Rough. time. No, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> He poked himself on the broom. <laughs> no, it was a sum of money. Can you think of... A tuppence? Two tuppence. It was oh. a dime. Okay. <laughs> a dime. Oh, wow. Wow. Lucky little shit. <laughs> dime in 1964 when you're like... Um, how many Academy Awards did the movie win? Three? Not as many as My Fair Lady, but second best, I think. Ten? Eight. Five. Five. Fuck. Ooh. It was the biggest grossing film of 1964. What role did Julie Andrews lose that resulted in her playing Mary Poppins? Mm, that's a good question. What role did she lose as a result? Was it Broadway or film? No, she was going. There was. She was doing a role on Broadway. Yeah. That they were oh, I know. Going to adapt to a film. My Fair Lady. She. Yes, she wasn't hired to do My Fair Lady, which yes. made it Got so it. That she was available Audrey. to do. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, at her, yes. and when she won her Oscar for what turned out to be her first film role at Mary Poppins, she won her Oscar for her very first ever film role. She thanked the producer of My, of My Fair Lady for not casting her in My Fair Lady and giving her the opportunity to play Mary Poppins. Yeah, that's a sideways sort of like, fuck oh, you. Sideways fuck you. Me a fuck you. Julie Andrews won an Academy Award for Mary Poppins. She did. It was her for first best actor. Role. Yeah, well, actress. But yeah. Actress. That is a little bit. Uh, I have I have a problem with that, but okay. Nothing negative about Mary Poppins. Nothing negative. Nothing. That was your it's own rule. Why would you it's say perfect. no? I think she's. I think she's pretty good in it. It's an amazing movie. Is it Academy Award winning material? Uh, I guess in in 1964. Uh, totally. Really? 
Maybe maybe in a musical category was that the, was it just plain straight up best? She actor? won best actress. Actress. Wow. She won best actress. Wow. Wow. Bar wasn't too high that well. year. <laughs> well, we can look up what other movies were out, but um, the other the other Academy Awards that it won were best visual special effects. Uh, it won best sa- song for Chim Chim Cherry. Worst accent? Did they win worst best, accent? Best. That was a rat. I don't think the Razzies existed then. Okay. Uh, they uh, they won best musical score, best film editing, and best actress. Rob Audrey Hepburn wasn't even um, nominated for best actress. Actually, it's disgusting because her performance in My Fair Lady is about a million times better and more challenging. Okay, so best picture went to My Fair Lady. Best actor wow. was Rex Harrison, My Fair Lady. The best actress people were, oh, okay, Anne Bancroft for The Pumpkin Eater. I have no idea what that is. Sophia Loren, God bless her, she's beautiful. Marriage, Italian style. Debbie Reynolds for The Unsinkable Molly Brown and Kim Stanley on Seance on a Wet Afternoon. I have never seen any of those movies. I have nope. seen Mary Poppins. Would you would you say, and I, I understand your disagreement that maybe her acting wasn't Academy Award worthy, but when you look at Mary Poppins and you see Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins and then you see literally other any other human being playing Mary Poppins, don't you wish it was her? Yes, I agree. I agree that it was her. Uh, it's just that, I, I yes, you're right. She is iconic in that role, but to me also, she plays a nanny in The Sound of Music, for which she played almost exactly totally the same different kind of role. Totally different. I was thinking that the whole time. Okay, first of all, hard fuck you. I've seen Sound of Music 300 times. It's not similar at all. And I kept, I kept thinking that. I was like, Julie, I expected Julie Andrews to just be Sound of Music the whole time. And I didn't get that at all. She's very timid in Sound of Music. She's very shy. She's like not sure what to do. And that doesn't come across like that at all in Mary Poppins. I think they're so different. That's, I really think there's- But she still has a prim and proper, um, something that she exudes, which is just is Julie Andrews when you watch her act as any character because it is. I don't think that. I don't think that it's any music. She shows up in like a garbage bag from the convent and she's just like a hobo, a nun hobo. <laughs> like dresses out of like curtains and stuff. Curtains, yeah. It's funny because I kept thinking the whole time, I wonder if this is gonna, if I'm gonna feel like this is the same character. And I kept thinking no there's it's they're quite different they're quite different characters Hmm. i would agree i haven't genuinely as i've mentioned before seen sound of music but what i have seen of it other than the fact that it's the same actress they don't strike me as the same character at all but rob if if you can't see past that it's just like i have that trouble with with tom or tom cruise when i see tom cruise in anything i just see tom cruise and his characters can be quite varied but I just see Tom Cruise. Do you just see Julie Andrews? Like, is she one of those actors for you? Where you just see I do. Who it is? Yeah, I do. I do. I, she doesn't. She doesn't. Uh, you know, fade into any guys or like. I think that she was an excellent actor, and that, that that there's subtleties in the way that she portrays the characters, and the characters are written as differently. 
but in her performance she is it's always julie andrews just the way jack nicholson is almost always jack nicholson i think that yes her tone may have been a bit more austere and prim and proper in mary poppins as opposed to sound of music but still to me behind the facade of the character and the writing of the character you know yes her acting is slightly different but it's still she has that essence of being proper english julie andrews because that's that's how i see her so yeah. i think that's fair yeah she is what makes the film seem authentically british for something that was totally. filmed in burbank california ah i didn't know that oh my god that's so funny the whole thing was filmed at the disney studios oh uh, fun fact, Sound of Music won Best Picture the next year, but Julie Andrews did not win Best Actress, but she was nominated. I can see where you're coming from, Rob, though, where it's difficult to see past that it's Julie Andrews. But I think she, she comes from, like, the 60s were sort of that end of that sort of star thing where, you know, all the actors looked the way that they normally looked. You know, they, they never shaved their mustaches off for the movies. You know, like, the whole method mm -hmm. acting that started to become... Uh, I think it was probably a byproduct of art films in the 70s, but I could be completely talking out of my ass. I'm definitely not a movie buff, and I, I can't really speak of it. But yeah, you know, she's she's not Meryl Streep, where Meryl Streep disappears into the role, right? Right. That's right. Yeah, that's more kind of what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I get it. I think the characters are very different, but I totally understand where you're coming from. If you just see her as Julie Andrews, then it'd be difficult to, to see the subtleties and the but that doesn't mean I don't think that she's a great actor. That doesn't mean that at all. That just like I don't think, just like I don't think that you know uh, uh, Jack Nicholson isn't a great actor. I think that Julie Andrews is an amazing actor. I just, uh, yeah, I just I, I see Julie Andrews, and I think that she carries herself and, and exudes a certain air about her in yeah. all of her roles. Don't worry, Rob. Yeah, I've already no. canceled you in my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right well rob do you have any final thoughts about sound of music that or sound of music <laughs> do you want to talk about sound of music now okay <laughs> i'm just gonna and angie's just gonna go uh final thoughts about mary poppins watching it listening to the soundtrack perfection glorious flawless um deserving of everything except her academy award Okay. And um, sorry. <laughs> um, if anyone has anything bad to say about the film or the music itself, I'm scratching them off my list <laughs> and I'm coming to your door and yeah, it's not going to be pretty. All right. Yeah. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Angie. Uh, just iconic fun it's so fun to rewatch stuff that we adored from our childhood and uh just great characters and i feel like i talked about it a lot so highly enjoyable i don't have too much more to say other than listening to the soundtrack is not the best way to discover this which i think is probably the way with most musicals but i would say especially a classic musical like this just watch the movie don't get bogged down in the fact that there's a new one with Emily Blunt and maybe the, the special effects look better. Just watch this. It's a classic movie. It's probably my favorite musical, especially traditional musical. It's, it should be on everybody's much watch and list. And you probably know a lot of the songs already if you've never seen it. Is Rob picking a musical for next week? Uh, it's you or him. Rob, are you ready? I am not. 
Remember when um, I asked you if you would pitch a musical this week and you said yes? I definitely forgot and I did not think about a musical, but if I picked one off the top of my head, I would, I guess, pick the producers because okay. I think it's hilarious. The original or the remake? Definitely. Well, uh, the remake movie was terrible, so it would have okay. to be the original. Okay. See if we can find that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Either or. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I think music. it matters. I think it matters. If okay. We're gonna watch, if we're going to watch one, we should all watch the same one. Okay. Watch the remake then. Watch the remake. Really? Okay. Yeah. So for next week, we will do the remake of The Producers. Thank you so much, Rob. Go find out what your dog's noshing on. Yes. And, uh, thanks, thanks for so having much. me. Thanks for coming. And if you're still listening at this point, thank you so much for joining us for this supersized episode. And I hope you come back. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth.